Hello and welcome to Hiccup, the podcast series that explores all things parenting and mum life. I'm Jen, aka Irish Mama Bias, and each week I'll be joined by a special mum guest. We'll have a chat, we'll answer some of your listener questions, and just have some fun. So sit back, relax, if possible, grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. episode I talked to Julie Helen. Julie's a journalist, a disability rights activist and most importantly mum to Ricky. Julie speaks to me about her cerebral palsy and some of the ways it impacts her life. She also talks to me about how she learned to use her voice to be an advocate for others and to be true to herself and of course we talk about how little personalities can surprise us every single day. Okay so a big welcome this morning to Julie. Welcome to the show Julie. Thank you very much. Delighted to be uh, coming on to talk to you. A little bit nervous because I'm one of the the first few on your podcast, but uh, we'll have a nice chat, I think. A hundred percent, definitely. So if you want to tell me a little bit about yourself, Julie. Yeah, so my name is Julie Helen. I'm 36. I live in Cork with my husband and my little boy, Ricky, who will be 19 months tomorrow. And um, I have cerebral palsy. So I'm a mum with a disability and I suppose before being a mum I was a disability activist for a a lot of years and I work in um, disability advocacy and I suppose I'm really passionate about people with disabilities seeing themselves in different aspects of life and society and hearing their voices being represented Um, so I feel like I have a responsibility to kind of speak up in that way and I've been really lucky in that um, I have been a journalist since I was 18 so I've been writing for the Evening Echo in Cork um, like for longer than (laughs) for longer than I haven't been writing for them so more than half my life and so I suppose that has given me a really great insight into I suppose thinking about my own life thinking about where I sit and I suppose how I can help and support others as well amazing so so amazing um maybe you could tell me a little bit about the cerebral palsy and how that impacts your life yeah absolutely so it's really linked to to being a mom I guess so I was born uh at 29 weeks so I was born 11 weeks prematurely so obviously that uh was uh very scary mm-hmm. back in 1985 for my parents I can't imagine and yeah. um, so at 18 months then so around the age Ricky is now uh, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy spastic diplegia it's called so that technically means that it my cerebral palsy mostly impacts on my legs but it also does impact on my hands actually So I use a wheelchair and I use a stick to walk short distances. Actually, I used to describe walking with the sticks first and then using a wheelchair for long distances. But it's definitely flipped uh, since I've become a mum because using my wheelchair has really enabled me to be able to pick up a squirming toddler (laughs) an awful (laughs) lot easier than standing on my feet would. Um, so I use my wheelchair now a lot of the time um, and it has really enabled me to be independent. I suppose my cerebral palsy, the, the things that you wouldn't see would be that it would uh, impact me significantly in terms of fatigue. So 
research shows that people with cerebral palsy exert three to five times the energy somebody without cerebral palsy would in their everyday life. So just in everyday movement. I know when I was a child, my parents were told that walking for me was like walking up the stairs for you. Yeah. So if you imagine if you were walking up the stairs all of the time, what that that would feel like if you were yeah. walking. So there there's a lot of fatigue in my life. Yes. And um managing that as a mom is is an interesting, an interesting space to be in. Um but yeah, it is something that I suppose takes management and takes consideration. And then um, I would have a lot of tightness and spasticity in my body. Mm-hmm. And so that creates uh, discomfort and pain as well. But even when I'm saying these things, I'm like, like that's just, they're just the facts. That's just yeah. the way it is. Generally, you know, um, I'm 36, as I said, I've reached all the milestones that you're supposed to reach yeah. by, by 36, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> um, so like, you know, I drive a car I have a job I Mm -hmm. got married I have a baby you know like so all of the things that I've wanted to do in life I've been able to do and I suppose that's really important to me that like you know just because I have a disability doesn't mean that I can't do all of the things I want to do in life it may mean I do things slightly differently yeah um or that I need some extra support in my life and I absolutely do need extra support in my life but that's fine we all need support in life and I think actually the pandemic dare I mention it has really (laughs) um, has really taught us all how much we all rely on each other Mm-hmm. And how much uh, it really does take a village to raise raise a child, or you know, our community is really important to us. Um, and I think I've learned some things along the way, um, becoming a mom that you know are transferable across mm-hmm. to every mom. And that's that's something that's been really nice for me to learn myself. That like I'm not in a space of being a disabled mom. I'm a mom that yeah. happens to have a disability as well. Uh, I have more in common with other moms than things that I don't have in common. Yeah, amazing. And as you say, everybody needs the support and it kind of takes a village for all these things. And um, you've been an advocate for people for a long time. Is it something that you got into like as a teenager or when did you know that you wanted to help other people? Yeah, I mean... I don't know does anybody become an activist on purpose I think I think it's something you fall into due to circumstance so just to kind of fill that out a little bit for you so I was born with cerebral palsy and then my brother Dermot uh, who's next to me is three years younger than I am and he has Down syndrome so he has an intellectual disability. So we had kind of both sides of the coin, if you will, in terms of disability in our family. And my parents are incredible people. They're they're really wonderful role models. And their philosophy and how we approached our life as a family was go ahead and do it. And if you need help to do it or you find a barrier along the way, come back to us and we'll support you to to overcome that if you need it. So I went through life never thinking there was something I couldn't do. I mean, I didn't know that it was a decision 
to send me to mainstream school, for instance. My parents had a had a fight with the local school initially to allow me to um, to go there. But sure, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was just going to school like everybody else. Um, and I suppose at, a, at every stage in life, that's kind of been the way I've viewed things like everybody else does this. So so am I. And I still get surprised when people are kind of shocked at my everyday achievements, you know, yeah. like, wow, you know, you have a baby. <laughs> you know, a lot, yes, of, a lot of women in Ireland have babies, you know, uh, and um, and like it is, it is wonderful. I see where people are coming from too, but at the same time, I really want us as a nation to raise our expectations mm-hmm. of what people with disabilities can do, um, because we can do an awful lot uh, when we have the right support. So I suppose when I was a teenager, I started to realise that there were a lot of barriers in place yeah. and that the expectations weren't that high. Um, so I started talking about it and I started um, just kind of getting involved. And I suppose part of it was around trying to find extracurricular activities that I that I could engage with yeah so running around in a schoolyard wasn't something I could do like everybody else so I had to find other avenues of how I could kind of let my personality shine I suppose Mm -hmm. and I got involved kind of in showing how good my brain was rather than how good my body was and um, so got involved in things like general knowledge quizzes and debating and that kind of thing in school and I suppose that showed me then that wait a second you do have a voice yeah and maybe you can use it for something like and a lot of my advocacy actually happened accidentally where I was in situations and suddenly thinking hang on a second this is not okay I need to say something here and if I don't say something here I'm not being true to myself and that's really how it began um for instance a very a very clear example of that would have been in 2003 when I started writing for the Echo. So how I started writing for the Echo was I was um, being presented an, a youth community award for raising disability awareness in 2003 because it was the European year for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I had done a lot of talking and a lot of presenting and a lot of kind of networking around that. And when I got to the awards ceremony for that, I had asked for, you know, there not to be any steps and that I could could access it yes. in the right way with my friends and whatever. And that didn't happen. Mm. So I was in an awards situation where I was to stand up and make a speech about something that hadn't happened in that right moment. So I was kind of standing there going, I either say this now and deserve this award or keep my mouth shut and like just pay lip service like everybody else does so I'll never forget the intake of breath when I said yeah this is all lovely and great and thank you very much but (laughs) has anybody been listening to what I have been saying you know access is really important you know so that was how I started writing for the Echo then they had sponsored that award and so I suppose saw the the honesty in me and and decided to to take a chance on me and I've been writing with them ever since so I suppose I have a blog I had a blog ever before blogs (laughs) were a thing I had a blog in a real paper so um 
Amazing. I consider myself a bit of a veteran now at this stage. And I suppose I kind of view uh, being a mom kind of the same way. So I always wanted to have children. It was always mm-hmm. something that was on my radar. And um, when I met David, I knew pretty quickly that he would be he would be the man for me and yes. the man to to be the dad to my kids hopefully and um you know we we've traveled a, a long road together we're together nine years now and um you know I know when I was always considering what pregnancy would be like what a mom would be like you know I was really thinking about the impact my disability would have yeah and I really didn't think about what kind of mom I actually wanted to be and I think that's something a lot of us don't afford ourselves the space to do we don't you know we we sort of try and fit into the boxes of what we're expected to do as a mom and you know what your child should be doing by three months and what they should be doing by six months and what they should be doing by 12 months and never kind of having the space to to really consider what that's about. So I think my disability in some ways gave me that space because I had to overthink yeah. how I was going to be a mom and how I was going to figure it out. So it also allowed me to really kind of look inward and see, okay, these are the values I have as a human and they don't matter whether I can physically get up and carry the baby or not yes I am going to give him all the love in the world and that that is the key thing that matters the most and I had a really interesting kind of experience around I've heard a lot of moms talk about you know their children's firsts Mm -hmm. so you know the mom wants to be the person the first person to do all of the things with the baby and that's not actually practical for me yeah so for instance I didn't give Ricky his first bath the nurse in the hospital did Mm -hmm. and she was a really practical woman and I could see her all week I, I was in hospital for two weeks so I could see kind of how they give the baby the first bath and I was like mm, I don't know how this is going to go because I can't do this and are they going is this going to be a red, red flag yes. whereas she was actually really practical about it and she was like I've seen the support network that is around you mm-hmm. you and I both know you are not going to be bathing this baby until you are in an environment where you can and so I'm just going to do it mm-hmm. and you're going to watch me and the baby's going to be bathed and everything is going to be fine. Mm. And it was just the best thing that she could have done. Yeah. And she was even saying to Ricky at the time, you know, Granny will be doing this now for you when you go home. And, you know, we were all nodding and smiling and that was perfectly fine. And kind of from then on, I was like, yeah, we, you know, paddle our own canoe in our own way. Exactly. And that's, that's fine to do. And so I don't worry so much about the firsts. Yeah. What I, I'm very concerned with or very is very important to me is that I put the right people around Ricky, that if I can't be the person, then he yes. has the great network around him. And I'm extra lucky because the people I choose to have in my life are people that have stuck with me 
and that don't have an issue with disability. Mm-hmm. So they're already great people for Ricky to have in his life. And um, so, you know, we're really lucky in that way. And it's about, you know, I often say to my brothers that, you know, they're the ministers for adventure, can take Ricky off an adventure. And I would happily watch from the sidelines, you know, that is totally fine. And in that way, then he can have different relationships with different people. Yeah. Um, and different experiences and I'm really lucky as well in that I'm the eldest grandchild on both sides and um, so I remember going off on adventures with aunts and uncles and you know friends and family and again because I needed that extra bit of support all of the people that took those things on with me mm-hmm. were really wonderful in doing that so now Ricky has that and that's something I can give him and I think letting go that little bit of control has enriched his life rather than held either me or him back because if I was too uh, I suppose worried about doing everything yeah um, and not realizing my own limitations I would actually be holding him back further yeah rather than saying you know what here you go, off you go with those people um, and you will have a great time and come back and tell me about it. And I think I really learned that when Ricky started to walk, I was really nervous about him starting to walk because I can't walk independently. So I was like, by the time he walks, he'll be gone beyond my frame of reference. So how do I even parent that? I don't know. You know, I don't know how to navigate that world with you. And actually, when he took his first steps, his first reaction was to come back to me, to tell me about it, to show me, you know. So I was like, actually, I do have a role here. I get to be here and present and see you do the things I couldn't do. You know, there's no greater privilege in that than that. And then there's also a wonderful like cheeky fun side to Ricky where you know he is clever like (laughs) and he is um you know he's really sort of learning to navigate how how we do things and even at three three four like I certainly remember at six months he was arching his back for me so that I could take him out of the cot easier oh so smart and, and he doesn't do those things with other people Mm-hmm. So he has an awareness of mom is different, but she's my mom. So I don't yep. care. <laughs> you exactly. know, um, he, he's still the one that he still comes to me when he's um, when he's upset or worried, you know, when he's crying or whatever. I'm still the one to pick him up and all the rest of it. But like his just his awareness of things is really interesting. A few days ago, he wanted something that I said no to. and he you know he was kind of looking at me like no like I want this and Mm. I'm going to go get it and so I was in my wheelchair and he pushed me in the other direction and then ran towards the thing that he wanted so like there was part of me that was like you little brat you know like pushing me out of the way but there was another part of me that was like hey well done you were were very resourceful in figuring out how you know he wanted to do this and I remember as well when he was kind of around the six months you know when he was putting everything on the floor in his mouth and and there was like a bottle cap type thing yes you know, the top of a water oh, bottle yeah. and I was like 
he puts that in his mouth now we're in trouble and I was in my wheelchair so I had to get to him and then I was trying to reach for it and my fine motor skills wouldn't be great so gripping something as small as that would be challenging for me so he was kind of looking at me do it and he was like looking at me sideways and looking at me do it and he actually picked up the bottle cap and handed it to me because he was like this is clearly what you want instead of like you know Going the other way and shoving <laughs> out, like I'm get, I'm sensing the urgency in this. Yeah, and I suppose that's a that's a thing that I'm really trying to cultivate. So I really try not to say no all the time. I try to only say no when I really mean no, and when it's really dangerous. Yeah, or you no. Know, so I kind of let him away with what I can let him away with, and then when the danger crops up. Like he really knows then I mean dangerous yeah. and you need to come back here now. And so far that's working well for us. Like the odd time, he still is a toddler. So he'd be like, ha ha, no. And, of course. And, and look at me while I'm do- he's doing the thing I told him not to do. And, you know, you know yourself. Oh, I know. But, um, it's just like that extra level of awareness is, is kind of amazing um, to watch. And, you know, I kind of think like there are, yes, there are things I can't do, but there are also things that Ricky will have in his life because of the way my life has been. Yeah, That's more important to focus on than the the negative side, I suppose. I really like that. The, the only saying no, Tim, when it's really necessary. So it, you know, it doesn't kind of lose its power. No, it's not always easy. That's not always easy, um, you know, and especially when like things can get when I'm tired, if it can be really hard to be like, yay to everything. <laughs> I, do, I do try and I suppose I have a few things that I try and do every day. So I try and make sure that we laugh every day. So yeah. even if it's about something stupid and even if it's like last thing at night when I'm putting them into the cot and we're playing hide and seek for a minute or whatever or peekaboo or whatever we do like that we have a bit of a giggle and that you know anything that happened in the day is kind of gone and and we forget about and we move on to the next day and I also try and be really present um you know because everybody says like the only thing you'll hear as a mother is oh go so fast go so fast Classic. and it does really go so fast but I try and you know if he gives me a cuddle if he gives me a hug he's into giving me kisses now at the minute I try and like really be like my little boy is here giving me hugs and kisses now be in this minute moment and whatever else happens happens grand and I think that's partly as well the the like prioritization I have to do with my energy Ricky absolutely 100% comes first yeah and everything else that I need to do kind of I'll do what I absolutely have to do but I will do everything I need to do for Ricky if you know what I mean and that's been a really um a really nice space to be in because before I had Ricky I was in a real place where I really felt I had to prove myself all the time Mm-hmm. So I had to prove that I could have a job like everybody else. I had to prove that I could do that job as well as everybody else. I had to prove that I could, you know, be in Dublin at the big event or I could 
um, you know, have all the shopping done and have all the bits and pieces organized and all of those things. And now I've really shifted my focus to this little boy needs this right now and yeah. he needs me here. And the important thing is that his memories are my mom was there and we had great crack. Yeah. And I was safe and I was comfortable and I was happy. Like everything else, you know, will fall into place in in some ways. And I really have felt as well, I didn't realise before I became a mum that like Ricky was going to become one of my family members. Do you know what I mean? I know what you're He's saying. going to slot into our family and the way that we work yeah. and the way that we work is also going to work for him because he's one of us. Um, you know, and it was really like, you know, I suppose becoming a family myself, David and Ricky, like that's really a real powerful thing. We are a unit now and we have other branches of the unit, obviously, but that like it, I don't have to create everything for him and, and make the environment perfect he's a resilient child he's you know he has his own personality already absolutely I mean I think it's just fascinating how quickly the personality comes out and you're like well you know you're your own person yeah I remember when I started weaning him first um I started with sweet potato Mm -hmm. and he hated it and my initial reaction was like, oh, my God, he's never going to eat anything. Like, he's going to starve. And it was like, OK, well, no, try something else. He might just not like sweet yeah. potato. It's and, his, and his it's thing. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, OK. Uh, you know, and then it was like, oh, you know, babies need to have so many portions of fish a week. Like, yeah, yeah. And like a lot of Dave's family don't eat fish at all like won't touch it so like Ricky wouldn't touch fish and then like David's response was like I don't blame him like like, (laughs) you don't want fish that's fine and then I was like you know what that's true he gets to be a person and he gets to decide I don't like this I do like this he has his own tastes yeah and I I absolutely hate bananas like if you were sitting across from me eating a banana I would move if I could like it's the same as my other half <laughs> I would move and like this week I peeled a banana for Ricky and I was like this is a win like you know you like bananas you can have your banana just don't put it all over me you know <laughs> facing your fears bananas <laughs> yeah facing the banana fear but you know it's it's those little things about realizing he is a different person and I suppose my rights-based approach so working in advocacy and having a rights-based approach kind of go falls in line with my parenting I suppose you know I'm like he's a little individual of his own Mm -hmm. and you know I need to kind of realize that yeah. Now, I think I made a bargain with Ricky when he was really tiny. I remember being in the hospital and being like, if you give me one thing, please sleep. Just be a baby that sleeps because <laughs> I can do anything once I get my sleep. And he does. He sleeps 12 hours Aww. most nights. And I know how lucky I am. I really do. He did that since he was 10 weeks old. That's He's been- brilliant. And I, I really was like, yeah, if, if I had to choose anything it would be please sleep and I think I was just 
so lucky that that happened <laughs> that you know um that he likes his sleep as much as I do and <laughs> so then we're able to function well and you know he'll look at me sometimes David leaves really early he's still in our room because it's just easier for me and he'll look at me sometimes like he, he's leaving you're not getting up yet are you because I'm not ready <laughs> you know, and I know so he'll go back for this news so it's like I'm, I'm I'm well aware we're very lucky in that regard um oh it's it's so nice so nice having them in the bedroom as well like we were we were living with my mom for a long time and then we moved out last summer so the little guy was still in the bedroom with us and it was just so nice and then when we had to put him in his own room it was like oh actually technically have the space to put him in his own room so our bedroom is downstairs but there is another space where he could be and I'm just like I'm not ready not yet no he's just I'm not ready it's nothing yeah Ricky I'm not ready yeah and he does sleep through the night so it's not like everybody's being kept up and then if he is sick or feeding or something I can get to him fast enough yeah. Um and I think another another interesting facet of our parenting is being in the house with my parents. It's it's an important part of our story to explain why we live with my parents. So when I realized I was pregnant with Ricky, um we we really just thought about, you know, the support that we had and the support that we needed. Yeah. Um and the support and disability services in Ireland is not reliable. Um, we were living in a house on our own, living independently as it's put in the sector and managing fine. Uh, but I wasn't willing to rely on the services mm. um, when it came to our son. And we also had uh, anecdotal evidence and stories from friends and things that if we were living on our own, just let me. I have a question about our parenting because we both have disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so coming back home to my parents was an insurance policy in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to make sure that that didn't happen. Now, I can tell you with a heart and a half, my husband would get between uh, me and any official that would try and take a baby away from us. Mm -hmm. But having that backup was really reassuring to me and I suppose you know when I was expressing those fears when I was pregnant people were saying Julie like you're not that's not a reasonable fear nobody is going to think that about you and then the day after Ricky was born uh, there was a care assistant in the room in the hospital that was told not to leave me alone with the baby so my fears were well-founded yeah. And, you know, I was just like, I'm not going to take this risk. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to put my son at risk. I, I think this is a thing that, you know, people don't think about when they consider somebody with a disability. So I plan absolutely every aspect of my life. There is nothing really I can't really do anything spontaneous because I have to have everything in place to be able to go out and and do whatever I need to do so as a result of that I'm never going to take a risk with my son either you know I'm probably going to take less risks than 
most parents because yeah. I don't yeah. have the ability to run after him if he legs yeah. it. Um, you know, so I have to kind of have have all the processes in place that make sure that everybody is safe. And I try as well not to let that overwhelm me, you know, not to be like, okay, there, there is danger, there is risk. I mean, I think you, it takes becoming a parent to realise how much danger there is in the world. And yes. Now they're just uh, at the window. Um, so I, um, it takes becoming a parent to realise how much risk there is in the world and how everything turns into a Oh, danger. everything's a hazard. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. Um, but it's also like, you know, uh, we got this far and... I suppose it's hard to articulate, but I just try and balance like feelings about being sure that I am doing things the way yeah. I should. And then also just living, living yeah. life because having kids is about living life. You know, uh, that Ricky will only be small for so long, you know, then we'll be in a different phase. I just think it'll be really interesting, you know, watching and being part of his life and seeing him growing. And it's, it's a really great privilege he loves being outside he loves mess and the best. Loves, and then like you know he has those little quirks where you're like babies don't generally do this like he loves hats like <laughs> you never have a problem keeping a hat on him he's like where's my hat where's my hat where's my hat oh wow I and, love like you, you hear most moms being like I cannot keep a hat on their head <laughs> like, so you know and like he'll ask me for sunscreen if he's going out and you know he's a real little spark he sounds so independent yeah he is and and I suppose there is a there's a piece in that as well so I did go through a stage of being like especially when he was started the climbing phase of being like careful you're gonna fall careful you're gonna fall careful get down careful you're gonna fall the instinct and then we like that actually it was that I would fall if I was in that situation. He mightn't actually fall. So I've kind of switched that to, you know, if he, so, you know, he's going through that stage now where he does like the, the stiff as a board thing when he, <laughs> when you try and pick him up and he yeah. doesn't want to be picked up. So I say, be careful. I fall. You're going to knock me back or, you know, I, I'm going to fall. Yes. And like that very different thing to him falling so actually when I say I'm gonna fall he's like all right okay well better not do this then because because of you falling uh, you know so um and I've had a really nice experience as well around uh the online space and really um being able to connect with other moms so I'm on a group of um mothers with cerebral palsy from all over the world and there's about 900 of us um, wow. and like that's really like been a really great um kind of resource I suppose yeah, support like, we're all really different, like any group of moms but there is a commonality there where we're like oh this is happening for me mm-hmm. and what can I do and I was in a real space at the beginning certainly of like I need all the equipment like all of the equipment to make sure that everything we can do everything ourselves yeah. And um, like there was a particular um, like kind of blanket with handles that you could get that if you have a C-section, so you could lift with one hand. So mm. I was like, yes, this will be perfect because if I'm standing, I need to be holding on with one hand and I can lift then with the other. I'm very strong, but I just need the balance. And then um, I put Ricky into it the first day and he 
bawled his brains out. Like, no way was he ever going in it again. And that was like a lesson to me again. Like, oh, yeah, like, actually, there's two of us in this, not just one. Yes. And, and you get to decide what I do and don't do. So we never used that again. And I just managed to learn how to carry him and jostle him my own way. And I think yeah. that's a real message for other moms that like there is a way to do things if you're finding something difficult difficult to do there is another way you just haven't found it yet and it's yes. about giving yourself the space to find it well speaking of other moms we've got the listener question i could talk to you all day so we're just gonna have to move on here <laughs> yeah okay so the listener question is I'm constantly trying to come up with new ways to keep my toddler entertained. He's so busy and just wants to open every door and touch everything these days. What things keep your child most occupied? Oh, this one. This is so hard. I totally empathize with this. And I've actually fallen into the trap of buying so much plastic in desperation of being like, if we have enough toys, he will be fine. And he will... um, he will be entertained enough but that's not really how it works and a really good mom friend of mine gave me a really important piece of advice she said it's actually okay for our kids to be bored that they need that little bit of boredom to kind of stimulate their imagination and stimulate um you know figuring things out for themselves now obviously not for long periods of time but I suppose that it, it's okay to redirect them and to have them not completely entertained all the time certainly for Ricky the biggest thing he loves is being outside if he's outside he's actually happy enough you don't have to be doing much once he's just outside he loves digging and he loves um he loves kind of just exploring around the place and um then as well I'm just trying to think of one of the other things he likes like he really likes books actually and um he'll go books uh, again and again so again it's kind of a bit we try and mix it up so he'd be outside for a while and then we'll come in and yeah. read a book and then we we'll go outside again so it's not necessarily finding new things it's just about changing I think I try and remind myself how short their attention span is yeah and kind of change the activities in that way um, I certainly haven't got it right because there are days where I'm like, oh, what are we going to do now next? Um, and then I usually turn to snacks. Let's eat. Let's have something to eat. It's the way to go. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. And my last question for you is, who is your mumspiration? Is there anybody in your life or somebody who inspires oh, there you? Is. There's so many. I have a few different aspects to this. So, First of all, I have my own mum. Like, we're lucky she's in the house with us. Um, so we have her on tap. And it's really great to to have that and to see the relationship that Ricky has with her, but also that I have that mum um, knowledge, like, whenever I need it. And it, it's just amazing. Um, and then, actually... The, all the other role models and mothers in my family so I'm the eldest um kind of cousin in my family so I would have um babysat all of my cousins and I didn't really think about it at the time you know that like they had made a decision to allow their niece with a disability to look after their children um until I realized 
as a, my, a mother myself, that was a decision. And they all took that decision and gave me the chance. Um, and that that was a real inspiration to me, that they really saw the person first. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that because yeah. it just really informed the kind of mom that I am now uh, because I, I've always been around kids and had that opportunity. And then I have a really great group of mom friends uh, mm-hmm. that just told me the truth uh, when <laughs> they were having their own kids and taught me the things that were difficult and challenging so that then we, I could actually put the things in place that I needed to put in place. And if I hadn't had that honesty in my life, it would have been really difficult at the beginning to be good at doing mum stuff. Yeah. Whereas because I had the genuine experience from people I trusted and loved, then I was able to pre- prepare properly. And lastly, I'm on two wonderful groups in Facebook. So I have a lovely group of mothers of children that were born in December 2019, Irish mums. And we're on a Facebook group together. And it's just so great to have kids at the same stage, at the same age. And Ricky was doing that whole thing where he was um, spinning for the last few days learning what being dizzy was oh, and I was kind of like, gosh is this is is this a thing and then I, I asked oh, yeah. in the group and everybody was like yep that's a thing you know and so it was just a really really great assurance and there's great fun in it because yeah. you see the characters of kids and then as I said earlier my international group of mummies with cerebral palsy as well has been a really wonderful spot so I'm really lucky I have loads of mom inspiration absolutely amazing well you're absolutely um rocking it in mom life I don't know about that but we're doing it our way and that's the main thing yeah and I think that's what we need to do as moms we just need to, to do it our way and you know get the get the basics as well as we can do them and then just swing it what else can we do we, you know <laughs> It's the one thing in life that we do that we have no training and no qualification in. And it's probably the most important thing we'll ever do. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Instagram at HiccupPod. For news and updates, check out www.irishmamabice.ie slash hiccup. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast streaming app.